Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. What's up, everyone? This is another episode of Talos Takes. I am joined today by Joe Marshall. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Always love talking to you. Happy to be here, man. Always love it. So today we're going to be talking about some work that you've been doing with our partners in Ukraine. Obviously, this is something that we've we've talked about on this show several times with JJ and other Talos folks. And specifically, I want to talk about an effort that you were recently a part of that CNN wrote about to basically create this bespoke product for the Ukrainian government to kind of help protect their power grid. And so CNN wrote about this last week. I'll be linking to their full story in the show notes if folks want to read it there. So just kind of wanted to start out by asking you to kind of give me a quick, you know, explain like I'm five version of what this effort was exactly. So power grids, every power grid in the world uses GPS time because timestamps on major data points for power grids are so important to have. You know, if you think about power grids, right, they we consume and supply power in real time. We don't have effective ways of storing it cost effective. So when you take away the ability to have those timestamps, those GPS timestamps, which are super accurate, you're putting power grid operators in a real tight spot because without accurate timestamps on these rapid microsecond data points for the health of the electric grid, you're making your operators balance power in the dark. Now with that preface there, um, the Ukrainian war has had a lot of GPS interference happening, which interferes with time. And that also interferes with Ukrainergo, the power transmission operator for Ukraine, to be able to help balance and maintain the health of their grid. And they told me this in February over steaks and beers. And it was such a unique problem. My brain wouldn't let go of it. And uh, I said, there's got to be something we, Cisco, can do about this. And little did I know, the answer was initially no, but eventually yes. And I put together a a multinational team of volunteers, grid security and practitioners and experts. And we put our collective heads together and we were able to figure out a solution with some heavily modified Cisco kit. Then we donated all of that to Ukraine to help them keep the lights on and, and save some lives. Yeah, so this was basically like thing that we created from scratch, correct? Or, you know, maybe not necessarily from scratch, but like a heavily modified Cisco device. So this involved more than than just your effort. You had to loop in some other Cisco teams to help with this, correct? Yeah, no, it's a complete hack job. So we realized that, so uh, like GPS is a radio frequency, right? Like these satellites in orbit, you know, your cell phone uses them, everything uses GPS. We think of it for navigation, but it's also used for timing. And all Cisco kit comes with its own internal clocks. And our industrial Ethernet switches have a really ruggedized clock on them. Now, it's not like an atomic clock, but for the purposes of the Ukrainian electric grid, it was a good enough clock. Our challenge was getting uh, Ukrainian power equipment to recognize that our clock is just as good as a GPS clock, and that's called holdover. And once we kind of convinced the power equipment that that was going to happen, when GPS timing cut out for whatever reason, because the Russians were jamming GPS or a solar flare, who knows, but probably the Russians, to be honest with you, then we were able to basically install our kit and it acts as like a, the peanut butter and the jelly in a sandwich. 
and it sits in between the GPS receiver and the power equipment. And when bad things happen, we step in and calm things down and go, hey, look, we've got the time. Everything is cool. And then the power grid operators have accurate timestamps and the lights stay on. Obviously, the, the reason why we're doing this is because the Ukrainian power grid is facing several very real threats, both you know, kinetic just from like real world, you know, physical shelling, but also obviously multiple security threats and malware coming from all sorts of different directions. What can you tell us about your kind of like history studying the Ukrainian power grid in general and why it is so crucial for us to be involved in protecting it, essentially? You know, like how at risk really is this grid? Can you kind of give us a scope of that? So, uh, you know, Ukraine's the only place on earth where the power has been turned off twice because of a cyber attack. You know, and then he had not pet yet. It's like all these watershed cyber attacks have happened inside of Ukraine. It's just been ground zero for a lot of it. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have been there twice to work with power companies, mostly to just learn about how they do business and how it, say, differs from what I'm familiar with, which is the American power grid. And then to better understand just the challenges they have, whether it was grid updates to the older infrastructure, whether it's cyber attacks. You know, what Cisco Talos has been there, what, since 2016, 2015, where we, from a cyber perspective, have been assisting the Ukrainians, gosh, for a long time, almost as long as I've been in Talos. And we were very much all in on helping them. And this power grid assistance we gave them was just an organic, natural extension of us assisting them. And I got to say, like, it's very much a right time, right place scenario with what I was able to do. I just happened to be having dinner with these guys. They just happened to mention this in front of me and my little neurodivergent brain wouldn't let go of it. And we, we, we got to where we got. Yeah, something that I don't think we advertise very much is like, you know, Cisco Talos is where a little over, what, 500 people now. And I think around 80 of us are Ukrainian, right? So these are our friends and our colleagues and their friends and their families. And so, you know, anything we can do to help them and theirs in that country have a better life, we're all in. We're going to do. That's how Talos rolls, man. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I don't want to, I don't think you should play up the right place, right time luck aspect too much, honestly, because I feel like something that's an important part of this is the fact that we've had such close relationships with the folks in Ukraine and the you know the government there, the various defenders there for years and years now, like you said, uh, even prior to Russia's military invasion. And we've been helping to protect their networks from cyber threats for a long time now. And I think that that re- pre-existing relationship is one of the reasons why we are able to eventually make this successful and like physically deliver these products because of those relationships. You can't just kind of parachute in overnight and pretend to know all the complexities and ins and outs of all these relationships, especially when there's a literal war going on. No, that's well said, man. It's such a complex, dynamic, fluid situation in Ukraine that sometimes you're just grabbing on with both hands and holding on. And lastly, I wanted to ask you about kind of the the other hurdles that we had to go through to make sure that these pieces of equipment physically got there to Ukraine to where we wanted them. Again, this is like something that I know was talked about in the CNN article, but there were several hurdles that we had to overcome in terms of things like taxes and the physical logistics of like landing a plane there, correct? Yeah. So we, we donated all of this equipment. It was, it was I think, 
even with like the man hours that took internal development, 3,100 hours or something ridiculous, this is over eight months. Getting humanitarian aid into Ukraine from a commercial company to a state-owned company is actually pretty tough. You know, when we had to get our prototypes over there uh, in early in spring, the government helped us out on a humanitarian aid flight with other humanitarian aid bundled together. And then once we determined that our system would work in the field, we're like, man, how do you mail something to a war zone? Like it's, it, think about it, like who has to actually do this? Then it's surprisingly tougher than you can think. And with humanitarian aid, you have to respect both tax law and transparency laws when you're giving commercial equipment to effectively what's a state-owned company. And now that becomes property of the state of Ukraine, right? And making sure that you have done all of those things correctly is so vital. Otherwise, even though we donated a million dollars and these ruggedized switches to Ukraine, the importer would still be stuck with VAT and that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we didn't want that. You know, it, it took longer than I'm happy to admit, but it was absolutely worth following the procedure for that we had to figure it out like we've never had to do any of this before yeah i don't think cisco talos has shipped a million dollars of equipment anywhere in the world it, right. <laughs> it, it was it was so unique it's kind of one of those lifelong moments of top to bottom it's been a wild eight months of just having to learn new things and learning about gps and power grids but like even something that you would think would be relatively simple as logistics it, it's crazy mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joe, for coming on the show and talking to me about this. Anything else that you, you want to add? I mean, certainly just want to give you as much, like you've spent so many hours and brain power on this that I couldn't even begin to quantify. So certainly just want to give you the space to add anything else that I didn't ask you about already. Oh, no, man. Thank you for the platform. I, I appreciate it. You know, we haven't been able to really talk about this because we wanted to make sure that our kit was in Ukraine and then it was working. And by the way, it is working. We're getting positive feedback that, that it's helping keep the lights on. And we're it's the most awesome feeling in the world that, you know, what you've done and worked so hard on with a great team is, is paying dividends. I just want to give a shout out to all the amazing people who stepped up and said, yeah, we'll help you. We'll help Ukraine. This is a crazy good problem. We're going to figure this out together. You know, buy-in was instant. And, you know, the people that I got to work with across multiple strata of government and private sector were just, they led with their empathy in their hearts and true Talos caliber levels of fighting that good fight. And I, I can't sing their praises enough. You know, I may have mm-hmm. been the guy that, that, that started this and led this, but I couldn't have done it without them. And I have nothing but the deepest respect and love for all those folks who, who stepped up and were incredibly generous with their time. Last but not least, you know, Slava Ukraine. 